0: Welcome to another Tearious Cast. I'm Jim McGregor and I'm joined today by my colleague Kevin Creewell. Today we're going to... Probably have the first in several installments on what I'm referring to as the Gamer's Christmas, because there's so much great technology coming out for gaming. And we're going to focus this one on AMD. AMD's just launched a whole slurry of new processors and graphics. Particularly for gaming. As a matter of fact, they've targeted both their pro- desktop processors and their graphics really at the gaming. They're trying to come up with a knockout punch for both Intel and Nvidia. Intel on single threaded performance and multi thread performance and Nvidia, where they're now trying to compete with them with uh, ray tracing. So Kevin, let's dive right in. I want to give us an overview of the Ryzen 5000 series from AMD.
1: Sure. Like you indicated, AMD is getting back here in the game with a very good offering based on the Zen 3 architecture. The, there are four products associated with Zen 3, version of the Ryzen 5000 series, as AMD is calling it. We start with a, the low-end version of the part is a Ryzen 5 5600X, has six cores, 12 threads. Oh, by the way, all the AMD processors are threaded, no matter what the performance level of speed. There's a 4.6 gigahertz burst clock with a 3.7 gigahertz base clock. It's only 65 watts, which is reasonable for a gaming processor, and that starts at like 299 Next up is the Ryzen 7 5800X. You go up to eight cores now, 16 threads, a higher burst clock of uh, 4.7 gigahertz, and 3.8 gigahertz base frequency, which actually is the highest base frequency of all four. Bump up to 105 watts of power, and the price is 449 US dollars, by the way. Then the Ryzen 9, 5900X, up to now 12 cores, 24 threads, 4.8 gigahertz boost clock, and a 3.7 gigahertz base clock, also at 105 watts. And that's bumps a little more, $100 bucks more for $549. And then finally, the, the king of the hill in this regard is the Ryzen 9 5950X, has full 16 cores, 32 threads, the top boost frequency of 4.9 gigahertz, not quite 5 gigahertz, but everybody seems to feel that it's pretty easy to crank it over 5 gigahertz if you play around with it a little bit. The base frequency is only 3.4 gigahertz, which is a bit on the low side, but that's maybe because of you have more cores and threads running here. And again, 105 watts is the nominal. TDP for this part, and that price goes up to $799. So it's probably the most complete and set of processors for gaming that you could imagine. The socket compatibility is important because all these use the same socket and are compatible with the previous generation Zen 2 cores. And the latest 5700 chipset has released new BIOSes to support the 5000 series and we expect that the 5700 to 5500B will also support it, and AMD has promised that some of the last, ge- the other generation, the 300 series, will also have support for the 5000 series. This is all with the 7 nanometer TSMC process that was used in the previous generation. So all the improvements in performance you get it comes out of the Zen 3 microarchitecture. It's amazing
0: how we've gotten here. I mean, AMD's just come out with kind of a knockout punch, and we're not seeing anything on the Intel side right now. And as a matter of fact, they're focused more on mobile. We're not expecting to see a really a competitive front from Intel on this until at least next year.
1: Yeah, AMD hasn't forgotten mobile. No, the 4000, Ryzen 4000 came out not long ago. But yeah, Intel's gaming CPU seem to be lagging and not keeping pace with what AMD could produce. The, the Tiger Lake CPUs are coming out next year. Comet Lake is is old and it only goes up about ten cores. So it looks like Intel is missing out on this uh, segment of the marketplace, and it's 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 really AMD owning this right now. Especially with sixteen cores and thirty two threads, you're almost into Threadripper territory here the, with that much performance. So and only one hundred five watts. So it's in a standard socket. It's a, it's a really You know, excellent, excellent product.
0: And you have to remember that AMD also owns the game consoles with the new PS5 and the Xbox Series X. The fact that those are going to have processors and graphics, obviously, both from AMD. So AMD is kind of like from the processor side owning the desktop PC and the console market at this point. And at 105 watts, it's not really bursting out. Yeah, I, I kept laughing when you kept saying burst frequency. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: it's not bursting or boosting or whatever. 105 watts is a real reasonable power consumption for the CPU. You know, we've seen um, Intel chips crank up over the you know, over 200 watts in the past. So 105 watts is very reasonable, and that means it's also ripe for some overclocking. I think. The 7-nanometer process is part of the reason the AMD's got an advantage on power. And then just that AMD's just done a phenomenal job year after year improving its power management uh, capability on its on its CPUs. And it's pretty much world-class at this point in time in terms of the performance per watt that you're getting out of, uh, you're getting in AMD uh, CPUs.
0: Another thing with AMD is the fact that they're focused, just like Intel and NVIDIA, working with all the game vendors, and they're working with them on both graphics and processor for the different platforms. That's very significant when you think about it, because... It's difficult to make 1 plus 1 equal more than 1. And that's been a real challenge when you're dealing with a CPU or a processor from one vendor and a GPU from another vendor. I think this is really the first generation that we've seen, not only where they've bumped up performance in both the processor and the GPU, but you know they, for the first time, I think, have it to where 1 plus 1 is the best solution you can possibly get to.
1: Yeah, I mean, that we're getting there. Uh, we've often thought about how if you know you had both the CPU and the GPU being designed and uh, manufactured by the same company, how they could leverage that relationship between the two, and well, one of the the advantages uh, AMD's had right now is they're they're up to PCI Gen 4, whereas most of the Intel C- the Intel CPUs are still Gen 3. We'll get Gen 4 next year with Rocket Lake, so that's one advantage. But AMD is also going to have this thing called direct storage support from for Microsoft later. Uh, and that allows faster load times through the CPU and into directly moving data into the GPU memory. So AMD is finally leveraging some of this connectivity between the CPU and GPU architectures. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they did work with Microsoft on the Xbox Series X. So that technology that Microsoft created for the Xbox will now be able to be applied to the PC as well. So I think they're finally seeing a little bit of 1 plus 1 equals 3 uh, on the AMD side. On NVIDIA, obviously, they don't have a CPU for PCs. And on Intel, they they just now, in the very early stages of bringing out their first discrete GPU at the lower end, but they're relying on a, a unified software stack between their integrated graphics and their their discrete graphics I think that'll be helpful for them but AMD's had that for a while so it's it's you know they're they're playing catch up in that regard
0: okay we should probably talk about the second part of that equation and that's the GPUs and AMD and introduced a whole new 6000 series family of Radeon GPUs there's three different ones in there the Radeon RX 6800 for 579. It's a 250 watt GPU with 16 gigabytes of GDDR6 plus infinity cache, 128 megabyte of infinity cache. Then they've also got the Radeon RX 6800 XT for 649. That's a 300 watt card with 16 gigabyte of GDDR6 plus 128 megabyte of Infinity Cache. And then finally, the beast of them all, the RX 6900 XT for 999 It's also a 300 watt card with 16 gigabyte of GDDR6 and Infinity Cache. Now, what's interesting, and this is a little bit different than what they did with NVIDIA, is all the cards are the same size. And have very similar characteristics in terms of the Infinity Cache, in terms of the amount of memory. The only thing that really changes a little bit is the number of shader cores they have in them, plus definitely the The uh, power consumption of these. Yeah, the type of memory that they're using. So. They really tried to where Nvidia was going with almost three different form factors. AMD is going with a single form factor across all of them. Now that may not scale down as much, or it may not scale up as much. We're going to have to wait and see till we get the test results. We do have at least two of the Nvidia cards in hand, but we haven't seen the AMD cards yet.
1: Yeah, and I think AMD is taking this is a good. The uh, AMD is taking a different tack than Nvidia. Nvidia did a uh, very customized. Flow through cooling solution, which looks looks cool. I mean, I'll, I'll you know I'll say that for it, but it's very customized. Each one is different. The thirty ninety is two and a half slots. It's monster card, but it's got twenty four gigabytes of GDDR six X memory, and it's fifteen hundred bucks. So it's way on the top side of performance, and that and Nvidia likes that. They like to own the, the you know the high end, the Titan cards, and all that. They want to own the very top. AMD has, I think with the 6900 XT, it's 1000 bucks and it's 300 watts, so it's, uh, it's 50 watts less than the, than the 3090, but it has a decent 16 gigabytes of GDR memory. And then AMD's traded off. Instead of going to the X series of GDR6, AMD put the, their Infinity cache in, which they feel compensates for by having more local memory on, on the GPU. To feed the graphics. And they said that, that I asked, you know, this question was they traded off some of the size of the memory buffer or the memory interface uh, for this cache. And that was one of the, the key trade offs. And uh, the cache itself, they feel, will do enough to compensate for the lack of the wider memory. So that all, all these things, all these designs are always a, a series of trade offs. And until we get our hands on it and Run it through a series of various games and applications. Well, uh, we'll have to wait and see what the performance numbers look. But I, I like the fact that it's a standard size—it's not uh, an extreme card size that's going to be difficult to fit into a number of different chassis. And uh, keeping under three hundred watts or under is uh, is a good thing. That uh, also keeps the power supply within reason. You know, the, I think uh, even a seven hundred fifty watt power supply is probably sufficient. Although. You know, you definitely need an 850 power supply, I think, to to feed a 3090.
0: Yeah, I think the closest comparison we're going to see is with the uh, Radeon RX 6800 XT and the GeForce RTX 3080. They seem to be about the same size card, similar configurations, obviously different types of memory. But, and one's the AMD, the Radeon is 649 and the uh, NVIDIA GeForce is 699. It came out, the GeForce came out first. And I have to say that, you know, they've sold everything that they've manufactured. I mean, they're so far behind right now, it's not funny. So I'm expecting similar, I I refer to this as the gaming Christmas. I'm I'm expecting the same thing from the AMD cards too. This is going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, you're right though. Demand has exceeded the supply for NVIDIA cards to date. So hopefully AMD can come through with a little bit more for Radeon. Otherwise, this could be a sack of coal for people who try to order and they can't get their orders in before the holidays.
0: Uh, We saw quite a bit of that last year on uh, the Oculus and other products. Hopefully, we don't have the same thing here. We have some great new tech coming out this Christmas. Once again, we haven't had our hands on all the graphics cards, so we're looking forward to that. Kevin does have all of the new AMD processors in hand and is doing a review on those. And we're going to be covering all this tech as it comes out.
1: Yep, it, it is definitely the best time to be a PC gamer right now because we have the best technology there's ever been and a series of really pretty damn good games out there too. So I think this is a, a lot of fun. Now, I know you wrote a column comparing consoles and PC gaming and I think the the console people are are going to be just as happy this year with the brand new consoles. So it's definitely a great gamer Christmas.
0: Yeah, all indications are on the consoles are that they're selling out too. Matter of fact, a couple of the retailers like Best Buy don't even plan on carrying like uh, the PS5 in the store. It's only going to be available online because demand is already so high for those. So yeah, this is, this is going to be a fun Christmas. Who said COVID? Who who said working from home and schooling from home is a bad thing with COVID, Uh, especially when you got all this great tech and AMD and Nvidia seem to be at the top of their games right now.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree, and certainly uh, AMD is now really, I mean, it's been competitive on CPUs now for the last few years, and it's gotten, you know, obviously in a really good position for for gaming PCs. But also those graphics. I mean, the RX 6000 series is going toe-to-toe with NVIDIA, and that's something we haven't seen in a while. So that's really good. Higher performance, lower power, reasonable price points, although AMD isn't really cutting like, you know, huge cuts in prices, but the price points are pretty decent. You know, when you look at the 6800 XT at 649, it's got 16 gigabytes of GDDR6X memory, and the 3080 has 10 gigabytes of GDDR6X and is 699. So that's a pretty tight comparison between those two of them. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out when we uh, get our hands on a card. Now, I have a question for you because you're a bigger gamer than
0: I am. One thing we've seen, and this is the first generation. But you generation have teenagers. We, but you that's have true. Teenagers I, have, I, 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 have, I have my crew, as I refer yes. to them, that actually yes. test out all the systems with games and really put them to the test. As a matter of fact, they, they, they can put it to the test like nobody's business. But. I have to ask you, because this is the first generation of graphics head-on graphics cards comparisons where we're seeing ray tracing from both companies. Now, both companies obviously are reaching out to work with game developers, and certain games are going to be optimized for GeForce. Certain games are going to be optimized for Radeon. So, I mean... How should we think about this as a gamer? Do you just kind of look at what games are going to be better played? Or, I mean, do you go by the games? Do you go by the platform? What do you go by when you're going to buy one of these?
1: A lot of people go by the games. They go, you know, what's their favorite game? And then they look who does best on that game, or at least a series of games. One of the things that AMD's done is they've focused heavily on the DirectX version of ray tracing, which has been called DXR. And AMD's, this is AMD's first. Ray tracing unit in a mainstream GPU, although it's also uh, the t- technology. I'm sure that they didn't quite share the technology they did with Microsoft for the Xbox Series X, but I'm sure they've did a lot of learning from it. Meanwhile, Nvidia's been at this the RTX line for a couple of years now, so Nvidia definitely has more content available that's optimized for its ray tracing. But by leveraging Microsoft. DirectX 12 ultimate support for ray tracing, probably AMD will catch up in the next couple of years. So it's if you're in for the long haul, I think you realize that AMD is going to catch up. But in the short term, if you've got games that are that are optimized for ray tracing, it's probably going to be advantage NVIDIA at this point in time.
0: Well, thanks for that insight. And I think with that, it brings us to a wrap of another Tyriuscast. Please remember that Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies.
1: If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm Kevin at Tirious Research, that T I R I A S research. Then is Jim, our co host here, at TiriousResearch.com. And then Francis, our new guy, F A R A N C I S, at Tyrius Research. And you can also visit our website, www.tiriousresearch.com. Please keep up with us on social media. Twitter account is at Tirious Research. I am at Creewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L for mostly more personal stuff, but a lot of technology. Jim's at tech strategist, T-E-K strategist. And then uh, Francis has his own F-Sideco, that's F-S-I-D-E-C-O, for his Twitter account
0: and look for our articles and podcasts in Forbes, EE Times, ECT News, and Microelectronics in Taiwan if you read Mandarin Chinese. Uh, in addition, we have white papers posted on our website and a link to our newsletter which you can also subscribe to if you'd like it sent to you directly through email. Note that we're working on one now and we're going to be working on kind of our predictions for 2021 as well as our continuation of our X gaming or our Gamer Christmas as we're putting it.
1: Yes, you can find this and other curious casts on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Just search for Curious Research. One more time, T-I-R-I-A-S Research. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this curious cast or recommendations for future curious casts, please contact us directly. Our emails again are Kevin at Tyrius Research, Jim at Tyrius Research, or Francis at Tyrius Research. Thank you for joining us, and please have a great day and safe day.